You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. This podcast series is based on 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always, come on, say always, he always causes us to triumph. Whether we're in a good season or if we're in a challenging season like right now, we always win because if you're in Christ, you are a winner. Come on, say that. I am a winner. Come on, say I'm winning right now. We're talking about the acceptable year of the Lord. On April the 8th uh, this year, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he instructed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. On April the 19th, on Sundays, on our online service, I shared with you the message that God gave me and the prophetic word uh, that God gave me. And I asked you to give me your testimonies, and, and we're expecting uh, supernatural debt cancellation. We're expecting wisdom, and we're expecting favor. But I felt it's important to take about four sessions and break down what I sh shared that Sunday. So that's what we've been doing. And we've learned that the acceptable year of the Lord is a reference to the year of Jubilee outlined in Leviticus chapter 25. We've also learned that Jubilee is about cancellation of debt, restoration of community, and freedom from debt bondage. Now, this is episode three. In episode one, we went back and looked at the historical context in Isaiah 61, Leviticus 25. In episode two, we talked about the fact that Jesus is our jubilee. And we looked at Luke chapter four, and I want you to go back to these two episodes and I want you to, to review it and, and get it down on the inside of you because God is going to do something special. Now today, we're going we're gonna to talk about two examples, uh, two means by which God can... Wait, 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 uh-oh. I got a new, I got a good news break. I got a good news break. Have you ever been watching the news? And right in the middle of the uh, the news report, they had a breaking news. Maybe somebody had broken somebody's house. Maybe somebody had been murdered. But guess what? I got a good news break. I got to give it to you. I got some testimonies. Supernatural debt cancellation a refrigerator debt. These are real testimonies. A refrigerator debt of over $2,100. The balance was canceled. Oh, that's good news. $27,000 trailer was paid off and the balance to complete the building of a home was canceled. Oh, that's a good news. Good news. A credit card. These are testimonies of individuals who heard the prophetic word and are mixing faith with it. A credit card debt of $3,900 was canceled. That's a good news break. A 
a person heard the prophetic word, posted it around their house, and they sent me this testimony. They received a letter from their lawyer saying that the lawsuit against her for $140,000, come on, say $140,000, a lawsuit for $140,000 has been dismissed. That's good news. We're going to have these good news breaks. This person said that, that this lawsuit had been ongoing for two years and God did some supernaturally. Now I want you to keep your faith out, keep your faith out and let me know when something supernatural happens, when you have a debt cancellation, big or small, let me know. I'm going to share it with, with the rest of us so that we can be provoked and stimulate our faith and get our faith out there because God is going to do some supernatural things. Come on, say, I receive that. Come on, say, I receive that. Take a 30-second break and rejoice with those people. Come on, let's thank God for manifesting his word. As we sow Thanksgiving, guess what? We're going to receive it in Jesus' name. Now, we're talking about debt cancellation today. And we're talking about two means by which God works in the area of canceling debt supernaturally. There are two means. We're going to talk about favor, and we're going to talk about a miracle. God cancels debt through favor. God cancels debt through miracles. Come on, say that. Favor, miracles. We're going to look at Nehemiah's workers' debt canceled through favor, and then we're going to review the widow's debt that was canceled through a miracle. So you, as you walk this thing out and walk in the prophetic word, you're going you're gonna to see God do some very special things in the area of favor, and he's going to do some things in the area of a miracle cancellation. Come on, say favor. Miracle cancellation. Say it one more time. Favor and a miracle cancellation. Now let's look at Nehemiah chapter 5. And I want to read from the New Living Translation, <clears throat> pardon me, from the New Living Translation, Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 1 down through verse 12. Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And I want you to look for the favor. About this time, verse 1, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families and we need more food to survive. We need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and homes to get food. Come on, say food, to get food during the famine. And others said, we have, we have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. Come on, say taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and our children are just like theirs, yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. Come on, say live. Just some money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters, and we are helpless to do anything about it, for our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. 
When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out against those nobles and officials, and I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, this is Nehemiah speaking, I said to them, we are all, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who had to sell themselves to foreign uh, pagans, but you're selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. Then I press further, Nehemiah said, what you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain. But now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields. Come on, say restore. Come on, say restore. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you charge when you lent them money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. And they replied, listen at the reply, and they replied, we will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and officials swear to do what they had promised. Now, let's, let's look at this text and let's gain some insights. Nehemiah was really in Babylonian uh, captivity and word got back to him uh, in Persia. The word got back to him that the city wall of Jerusalem had been broken down. The few Jews had, that had been released during the Babylonian captivity were living in Jerusalem, but there was no walls around the city. And a city in that time without walls were defenseless against their enemies. When Nehemiah in Persia heard about what was going on in Jerusalem, the Bible says he wept and he began to fast and pray and he asked for favor from the king of Persia to be able to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. And through a, a, a series of incidents of favor, Nehemiah came back to the city of Jerusalem, rallied the people, and he was able to, to reconstruct and the city and build the wall in about 52 days. Now listen to this. Our text has to do we're right in the middle of this building project. They had some internal problems. Now, not only did they have external persecutors and problems, but they also had some internal problems. Now, we read the text, but I want to summarize for you. Several groups of people, Jewish people, began to complain about what they were experiencing in their circumstances. The large landless families, so there were some families, these were Jewish people, they had large families, but they had insufficient income, watch this, to feed themselves. Inflation was extremely high, there was a food shortage, 
and food was very expensive. Now, you know what that reminds me of? Uh, it reminds me of the long lines that we see people sitting in their cars for miles to get a box of food. And those areas, those people are unemployed. They've been laid off because of the crisis. Most of them have been laid off because of the crisis. They have no income coming in and they need food. Doesn't that remind you of what's going on in our country today? Well, these people had large families and they had insufficient income to feed themselves. Another group of families, they had property, but they had homes, they had land, they had olive uh, groves, they had vineyards, but they were forced to mortgage what they own here again to buy food to eat, food to eat. There are a lot of people, unfortunately, it is so strange in the wealthiest country in the world to have people in long lines in their cars to get a box of food. We've never, most of us in our generation, have never seen anything like that. Some of this was happening that day. Then there were those who were forced to borrow money at exorbitant interest rates to pay the royal tax levy by their own overlords. There were Jewish nobles, Jewish officials who were collecting tax money from fellow Jews, but they were charging very high interest rates. And according to the law, it was unlawful for Jews to charge other Jews with uh, interest. So we have believers in God charging other believers high interest rates. So they were struggling with that. And then they were, there were another group who were losing their farms, their homes, and their vineyards. And they were compelled to sell their children and sons and daughters in bondage. So we got some people having a, a, very, a very difficult time. And then finally, uh, think about it. These people were selling everything, mortgages, everything, didn't have enough income, didn't have enough food. Their children was being uh, taken into a servanthood. And listen at this. Since the landlord were owned by others, they were left without any means to buy back their children because they were farmers. They had sold their land, mortgaged their land, so they had no way to do it. Now, think about it. Here's a group of people in Nehemiah's day who had no natural way, natural way to win in this situation. Think about it. No jobs because they sold the farm. So no jobs, no work, no food. And the Bible says that they talked to Nehemiah. They took their complaints to Nehemiah. And the Bible tells us that Nehemiah used his authority and his influence to have their debts canceled and their children restored. That's verse 11 and verse 12. Now watch this. In this particular uh, text, their debts was canceled through favor. 
And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes. I want to talk about debts being canceled through favor. So what is favor? What is favor? Favor is the willingness of others to use their power, their ability, their resources, their influence on your behalf. Now listen at that. I'll give you that definition again. Favor is the willingness of others to use their power, their ability, their resources, and their influence on your behalf. Now listen. Now think about it. Really, these these servants, uh, workers of Nehemiah, didn't have to have money. Sometimes it's not money. Sometimes it can be favor. Sure, we want the money, but what if God gives us favor? What if God moves on the hearts of someone else who has money or someone else who has influence or someone else who has ability or has resources? Sometimes it's not money. Sometimes it's favor. God will use someone else to help you. Let's talk about favor because the acceptable year of the Lord is also called the year of favor. Did you hear that? The acceptable year of the Lord is also called the year of favor. Now, here's here's what I know is going to happen. I believe it's already happening. I believe that God is going to use others. I was watching the news recently, and there was a man in Florida who was in his automobile trying to get to up to where they was uh, giving the, distributing the food, and every time he get up close, they would run out. And then he'd get in another line, and every time he get up close, they run out. Somehow it got to the news, and people all over the country start sending this guy and his family food. That's favor. That's going to happen in the day that we're living in right now. There's going to be some, I speak it prophetically, there's going to be some people that God is going to move on their hearts to release debts and, and to support you and to help you. Now, listen to me. There are some things now we have to avoid. There are some things that are the enemy of favor. Listen carefully, because I, I, we have to avoid pride. We have to avoid laziness. And we have to avoid manipulation. Come on, say that. Pride, laziness, and manipulation. Now, let's talk about pride. Pri a proud person will not expect favor because he or she believes that he or she can succeed without the support of others. That's a proud person that believes he or she can succeed without the support of others. Now, a proud person is a person that will not receive support from others, even when they need it. 
Now, listen to me carefully. I really believe that God is leading me to share this with you so that you be prepared to receive his supply. Now, listen to me carefully. I know that some of you, you, you are just intelligent, you're degreed, you have training, you have experience, and some of you have moved up the ladder and you have just, just stood and you just stood and you didn't need anybody else. You didn't need anybody else. You just made your way. Now, listen, now we're in a different season. Maybe all this training you have, maybe all this experience you have, maybe all these titles you have and position you have. And now you find yourself in a position you've never been in. It's been years since you really needed somebody else to help you. Now, you're going to have to be very careful because if you're not careful, when God moves on the hearts of people to give you support, if you're not careful, you'll turn it down. Because you are so accustomed to handling things on your own. But listen, you got to open up your heart because God is going to move on, the, on, on people to be a blessing to you. So receive it. Come on, just receive it. And just say thank you. And let's give glory to God. Don't make it personal. Don't, don't, don't get in your head about you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm out of beggar and all that. Don't go there. Don't even talk about that. Just receive what people are giving you because God is going to move on the hearts of people. Now we got to also avoid laziness. Now Ruth in the book of Ruth received favor from Boaz. Ruth was very diligent, a very hardworking person. God cannot bless laziness. Now, when I say laziness, I know you thought immediately natural, physical, just working with your hands, okay? That would include it. But many of you are not lazy like that. Most of you, you want to work. The only reason you're not working right now is because your company has laid you off or you've been, uh, you've been forced to, to be at home. You've been forced to not work. And right now, you want to work. So when you hear laziness, don't just think naturally because there are some things that you can do spiritually. Sometimes you can be very diligent in natural matters, have a strong physical work ethic, but you can be lazy spiritually. So now in this season, while you're unemployed, waiting, you need to be diligent to work the word. Spend more time in the Word. Be diligent in your prayer time. Spend more time praying. Be diligent in your confessions. Spend more time confessing uh, the Word. And every opportunity that you give to serve or to help somebody, you help them. Listen, when I, when I say laziness, I'm not just talking about physical, putting your hands to something, because really some of you, this will prove to be a blessing for you because you have been too busy to develop yourself spiritually. Now you have a little more time. Take the time. Don't be lazy spiritually and begin to build your faith 
up. Get in that word, spend more time in prayer. And I'm, 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 I'm trying to spend more time in prayer. I always pray, but I'm trying to spend more time, uh, more time in the word to build my faith up. And then you're going to have to avoid manipulation. You got to avoid manipulation. Now, June Hunt defines manipulation this way. She says that manipulation is the art of controlling people or circumstances by indirect, unfair, deceptive means, especially to one's own advantage. I'll give it to you again. Manipulation is the art of controlling people or circumstances by indirect, unfair, deceptive means, especially to one's own advantage. I give you two illustrations. Ruth, and that's a good book for you to read. Ruth did not go into the fields. Now, she was a widow, and she was struggling financially and was poor. She needed some support. But Ruth did not go into the field with a sad story. She did not say, listen to me carefully now, she did not say to Boaz, God led me to you. She did not say to Boaz, God told me to tell you. She did not say to Boaz, God put you on my heart. Get all that out. A lot of that is spiritual cons, okay? I want you to, God is, is positioning you to do something very special in the area of favor, but you can't manipulate it, okay? You, you, I said this when I taught this that Sunday. Don't go to folk that you borrowed money for or owe and tell them your debts are canceled. Uh-uh, don't, don't try to control the situation. Don't try to control it. Let God do it. Now, Sarah tried to control the situation. God gave Abraham and Sarah a promise of a child. After 10 years of waiting, 10 years of waiting, Sarah uh, came up with the idea. Okay, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix this. So she said, now, Abraham, I got, I got a handmaid. I want you to go and sleep with the handmaid. That child going to be our child. And Abraham did exactly what she told, what she told him to do and had an Ishmael. You don't want to get an Ishmael. No Ishmaels. Listen, don't take this message and manipulate it. Take the message and meditate on it. Take the word, confess it, confess favor, confess, say God is raising up people that will use their power and their ability and their resources on my hand. You confess that in private, confess that in your, your personal time. Don't confess that to people, confess that in your personal time. God is raising up people who are willing to help me, to support me. God is changing rules and regulations on my behalf. God is giving me special privileges. Do that in your quiet time. Pursue excellence. Whatever you do, make sure it is excellent. Even if it's far below what you've been trained to do, you have experienced regardless to what it is in this season, make sure that you're excellent at it. Do your best and then sow some favor. 
that principle of giving and receiving, show some favor, use whatever influence, whatever power, whatever resource you have to help somebody else. And you're going to see that God is going to bring favor your way. Come on, say, I receive that. Come on, say, I receive that. Come on, say it. I receive that. Come on, say it. Come on, let's, let's, take, let's take a few seconds now, and let's thank God for the favor of God. I thank God for favor. I thank God that other people are willing to use their power. They're willing to use their ability. They're willing to use their resources. They're willing to use their influence on my behalf. I have the favor of God in my life. I walk in favor. Favor surrounds me. I want you to open your mouth and begin to confess that favor. Now, the second means by which God works in the area of debt cancellation is miracle, miracle manifestations. Let's talk about miracles. We've talked about favor, God moving on the hearts of somebody to help you with what you need. But let's talk about God just doing his thing, a miracle. We have that in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. I'll just tell you what was going on in that text. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 7, the Bible says that a woman who was married to a prophet found herself in dire situations because her husband, who was a prophet, had died and left the, the family in debt. In those days, the husband was the primary source of income, the breadwinner, as we would say. And when he died, usually the family would be in debt. The creditor is knocking on the door. The creditor has come, and remember what we've learned in those days, they would take your children in lieu of the debt until the debt was paid. So the creditor's knocking on the door. The woman is in this dire situation. She runs out the back door, heads to the prophet's house, and talks to the prophet about her situation. The prophet asks her, what do you want me to do? And then he asks her a question. What do you have in your house? She said, well, I just have just a little jar, little, little flask of olive oil. He said, okay, that's good. We can work with that. God can work with that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to all your neighbors and I want you to borrow vessels, borrow jars, vessels, and don't borrow a few. Borrow a lot of jars, vessels. The Bible says that she went and did what she was instructed to do. And the prophet says, now, once you get the vessels, then go back home. You and your sons shut the door and then take that little flax of olive oil and pour it in each vessel. When the vessel is full, push that vessel aside and began to pour into the other vessels until it's full. And the woman began to do that. And the sons brought the vessels and she would pour the oil. They brought the vessels. She would pour the oil. She brought the vessels. She would pour the oil. And then she called for another vessel. And the son said, we have no more vessels. And the Bible says the oil stopped flowing. She went back to the man of God 
and said, now listen, I got all these vessels full of oil, and when I ran out of vessels, the oil stopped flowing. The man of God, Elijah, said to her, now that's good. You've done good. Go sell the oil, pay your debt, and live off the rest. What do we have here? We have a miraculous debt cancellation. God will use favor, but God will also use miracles. Come on, say miracles. We have an impossible mountain of debt. It's a financial crisis. I know that I'm talking to people right now that you're experiencing a financial crisis. She had a situation that was far beyond her from a natural standpoint. There's no way she is going to make it. The potential to lose everything, the potential to lose everything, house, furniture, children, the potential, credit, reputation, all that. Everything they had worked for for years, the potential to lose everything. And she received a prophetic word. That was the key. She received a prophetic word. Go borrow empty vessels from your neighbors. Borrow not a few. Go into your house and your sons and shut the door. Pour the oil from your jars into the empty vessels and set each full vessel aside. Now listen to me. He gave no explanation. No explanation. He didn't say, well, you know, if you do that, this is what's going to happen. The, the oil is just going to keep flowing and you're going to have all this oil and you're going to be able to pay off your debt. and You're going to be able to. There was no explanation. Sometimes God gives us a prophetic word with no explanation. Sometimes God gives us a prophetic word and he doesn't tell us how, when, where, who, and all this. He just gives us the word. But following that word, we see faith and we see obedience. The obedience was demonstrated in her carrying out the instructions. She went to her neighbors and she began to bar vessels. That was obedience. Her faith was evidenced by how many vessels she got. Because she should she could obey, went to a neighbor and borrowed just a few vessels, but she borrowed a bunch of vessels. So we see obedience and faith. Listen, oh, the prophetic word requires obedience and faith. And finally, we have a miraculous debt cancellation. Let's talk for a moment as I close about miracles. There, there are three words I want you to remember. Three words, miracle, wonder, sign. Come on, one more time. Miracle, wonder, sign. Come on, say it. Miracle, wonder, Sign. Now, a miracle, let's look at a miracle. A miracle is a supernatural demonstration of God's power 
is inexplainable, if, if not explicable by nature or scientific law. It is just something unusual. I want you to expect something unusual. Second, wonder. The word wonder means something strange, out of the ordinary. It's something that causes a feeling of surprise. It causes the beholder to marvel. It's something beautiful, but it's unexpected. It's unfamiliar. It's uncommon. Now listen at that definition, wonder. God is going to do some things that's going to cause you I want you to write this down. I want you to I want you to write this down. God is going to do some things for you that's going to cause you to wonder and it's going to cause others to wonder. You're going to be surprised because it is going to be unexpected, unfamiliar and uncommon. Think about think about that $140,000 lawsuit dismissed. Think about it. Going for 2 years and it's dismissed. 140,000. There're going to be some things that God's going to do that's going to be unusual. Things that you're not familiar with because now listen, and I felt an unction to talk to some of you because some of you you are so gifted and you are so smart and you are used to making things happen. You know your stuff. You know how to deal this. You got experience. You got a track record. But God is going to do some things for you. And when you look at that, you're going to say it had nothing to do with your experience. It had nothing to do with your intelligence, had nothing to do with your training, had nothing to do with your track record. God going to do some things for you that's going to cause you to be surprised. And guess what? Other folks are going to be surprised, too. It's going to be a wonder. It's going to be, I wonder how that happened. And then finally, a sign is something visible or evident that gives ground for believing in the existence and presence of God. A sign is something that's visible or evident that gives grounds for believing in the existence or presence of God. Now watch this. Here, here, here's, I want to say this, and then I'm going to shift gears or something else. What God wants to do Miracle, wonder, and a sign. That sign is going to be something that's evident, that, that people can see. God wants to do some things, and it's not just about you. It is about you, but it's not just about you. That's why you got to share what God does. You have to share it. You have to tell it. Listen at this. It will give grounds for others believing it will give grounds for other believing in the existence and the presence of God because they're going to know there's no way that you could have done that. And that's why you can't walk in pride in this season because really God wants some glory out of this thing. 
God is going to manifest himself. Listen, God works best in the dark. Light manifests best in the dark. And for most of us, for our world, the world in our country is very dark. And God works best in the dark. You are the light of the world. God is going to manifest himself in such a way where others are going to know that it is God. They're going to recognize his power. They're going to recognize his presence. We're in a wonderful space of time. I said we're in a wonderful space of time because God is going to take our witness, your witness, my witness, and the body of Christ's witness and shoot it up. And people are going to be able to see and recognize the presence and the existence of God. And people who didn't believe in God will start believing in him. And people who talked against God are going to shut their mouths. It's going to be a blessing. I'm excited. It is going to be a blessing. Now, next week, I'm going to conclude this by sharing with you the prophetic word, and I'm going to talk to you about the prophetic office. We're going to talk about the office of a prophet, and we're going to talk about the prophetic word. But now, don't go anywhere. I I want to shift gears now. And I want to talk a little bit. God has has put some things on my heart. I'm a pastor of a wonderful church, two campuses, Birmingham and Columbus. And I'm always trying to encourage my flock and, and, and those who are connected to us. But I believe that I'm a prophet ordained to the nation. So I believe that God uses me to not just speak to Faith Chapel, but to others. So I want you to listen to me for just a moment and I'll finish. The coronavirus is a real global health and economic crisis. It's real. Over one million cases of individuals being infected by the virus, watch this, and close to 70,000 deaths in the United States alone. 70,000 deaths. Now, that's a real situation. Now, follow me. We were in a phase called shelter in place, stay at home phase. It lasted from uh, late March to early April. The emphasis was on social distancing restrictions. The emphasis was on uh, the closure of businesses, banning large gatherings, Uh, avoiding non-essential outings and mass layoffs. Now, listen to me carefully. I just want to talk to you for a second. We've entered into a new phase now. It's the opening of the economy phase, and I am really praying about it. And I want you to know that I'm I'm really spending some time, and I, I have something that concerns me. I'm very, very concerned Paul was stirred up in his spirit when he saw the idolatry in Athens. Something is stirring up in me. I'm concerned, but it's not a happy concern. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's an uneasiness in my spirit. In this opening of, of the economy phase, 
different regions, states, counties, and cities will approach it differently. There's no systematic way that this opening up is being done. There's no consistency. There, there's no, no organized plan that everyone is following. So beaches are being open, parks are being open, retail businesses are being open, restaurants. And let's talk for just a second about why. Why is, is this phase happening? Well, there are people in our country and around the world that are experiencing serious financial needs, the need to work and the need to support their families. That's a good motive, okay? That's a positive motive. Secondly, people are being motivated by cabin fever. I'm just tired of being in this house. I got to get out. Thirdly, there's mama fatigue. Yeah, I'm just a little tired. I'm, I'm tired of these children. And then there's this school situation with our youth and our children, the technological gap, the technology gap, with some students needing laptops, the lack of internet access in homes. Then there's the, the school graduates who need some kind of celebration. All We feel in all this pressure. Then there's the economy. And then there's politics and the election. And then there's this national pride thing, like we're Americans. Nobody can tell us what to do. We can do what we want to do. And then finally, there we're being motivated by discomfort. I'm not saying all these reasons are not legitimate, so don't hear me saying that. But I am saying that this virus does not respect our reasons. Even if the reasons are legitimate, the virus does not respect our reasons. Now listen, health experts are predicting an increase in cases of infection, but they're also predicting an increase in physical deaths. Now, I know I may be talking to you, and I know you're a faith person, and I'm a faith person, and I believe God, but I believe that we have to approach this situation. And I'm re remembering, I'm praying. I'm not, I'm not just, I'm praying. I think we have to approach this from a spiritual standpoint and a natural standpoint. A spiritual and a natural standpoint. Now listen to me. We can approach this just with our natural intellect. It's different. There's some things going on that's different. We have, to, we have to get wisdom from God. So from a spiritual standpoint, we've got to spend more time in prayer because in prayer we're going to get some wisdom. I'm, I'm, I'm approaching prayer a little bit different. I, 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 I pray for my family. I pray for myself. I pray for my members. But I'm also spending time praying for the body of Christ I'm spending time praying for the nations of the world. And what I'm doing is I'm, I'm spending strategic time now praying in the spirit. And I'll, I'll, I may spend 20 minutes just praying in the spirit about now.
I say, God, listen, I don't know everything that's going on now, but you know. So I'm going to pray about the present and all those things that I don't know about. I want to pray about it in the spirit. I'm going to pray about it in tongues. Then after I pray about the now, we don't know what the future is. So I said, God, I don't know what the future is, but you know what the future is. So I'm going to spend this season right now praying in the spirit about the future. So many people are waiting for things to get back normal. What if they never get back normal? Now, listen, if they never get back normal, doesn't mean you can't be successful. If they never, if it never gets back normal, doesn't mean that the church can't fulfill the call on its life. We just have to adjust to the new normal. So I'm not praying for things to get back to normal. I'm praying in the spirit because I don't know what this future holds. I want to be relevant and adjust to the new normal. So prayer, listening to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that inward witness spiritual. Don't just let the president and the governor and the mayor, whoever say, okay, we can just run out. We can just, no, no. It's, they have to do their job. I'm not putting them down. They have to do their job, but you should be listening to the Holy Spirit. What, what am I? If, do I have an inward witness? Do I have an inward witness? Now, what, what is the witness that I have in my spirit? Do I have a check in my spirit? Don't go against the check that you have in your spirit. Meditate in the word. Get in Psalms 91. I read it right before I got in that car. I came here today and I claimed it over me and my family, my church. And I'm, I'm confessing Psalms 91 and you, you, I'm listening to faith. I'm listening. We teaching faith on Sunday. I'm listening to faith. I'm listening to healing. Nearly every day I listen to a healing tape. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to prosperity. I need to be strong in my spirit. You need to be strong in your spirit because all this natural stuff that you've been accustomed to winning with is not going to play in this season. You have to be strong in your spirit you got to spend time in the word. You got to start confessing the word. You got to confess the blood of Jesus. You got to move spiritually. Jesus has already paid for everything, but you got to move spiritually in this season. And then finally, we got to do some things naturally. We got to do some things. We got to wash our hands. Don't play with that. Wash your hands. We got to avoid shaking hands. Okay. People reach their hands out, say, well, I'm respecting distances at this time, and I want you to know I love you, and I'm glad to be here, and let's meet, okay? Don't be shaking hands. Uh, social distance, avoid all this close contact with people as much as you can, and, and, and avoid, listen to me carefully. Now, I just want to give you some insight. you got to avoid these social gatherings. I know you used to hanging out with your, your friends and all this kind of stuff. This ain't the season to do that. You got to avoid these social gatherings and you got to avoid these parties. You ain't got no business going to no party right now. You don't get, don't go to no, no, don't set up no party. Don't be going to no party. It's not the season. It's not the season. It's going to be over in a while, but it's not the season. Uh, and you, and you need to cover up. That's what I heard the Spirit of God said, cover up. So put this little, put your, put your scarf, your mask, whatever you got, cover your nose and your mouth when you're out in public. In Birmingham, Alabama, it is a law. 
and we intend to obey this law. Once I heard it was a law, you see, I got my mask. I am wearing this in public. I took it off so I could talk to you, okay? But I'm going to put this back off because it's the law. But now, listen, listen, even if it's not the law, wherever you hear me from, you put something over your nose and in your mouth. You cover yourself. Everybody is trying to go back to things the way they were. I'm not certain in my spirit it is time for us to go back to everything the way they were. Now, I'm not lowering over you. I'm just telling you what I'm sensing in my spirit. And I'm believing God. I'm believing God that we're not going to have this elevation of infections and we're not going to have this elevation of death, but I'm not certain in my spirit. So that's why I feel this unction to tell you that there are some things that we got to do spiritually. I claim the blood of Jesus every single day, Psalms 91 every single day, but I'm also taking some natural things because everybody's going to be out there now. Everybody going to be connecting with everybody. All this movement now is going to be moving now. So some of the things you may want to do, I know it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me too. But there's some things you want to do. You may not can have everybody over your house now. It may not be the time to have them. Now you can do what you want to do, but I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you by the Spirit of God. I believe it's the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, you need to do some things naturally and you need to do some things spiritually. That's my best shot. I love you. God, know I love you. And I'm praying for you. I'm praying for my church. I'm praying for my family. But I'm not just praying for my church and family. I am praying for the body of Christ. I am praying for the nations of the world. And all of me to be praying because this is serious. This is nothing to play with. And I'm believing, God, you're not going to be a statistic. Say that I will not be a statistic. Now, I went over today. I talked longer today, but I just felt like I needed to share with you. I love you. And I don't think we have but one question today. What will you do if people are trying to go up on your pre premium or rent in regards to favor debt cancellation? What would you do if people are trying to go up on your premium or your rent? Well, number one, I would go to the person and I would, I would be honest with them. I think anybody going up, with, up on rent and up on premium is not being really fair or sensitive to what's going on in the environment. And so I would plead their case. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think anything wrong with that. That's not manipulation. That is confrontation. OK, that is confrontation. I think anybody that's going up in this season is not sensitive to what's going on in this season. And I think that you can confront that without being manipulating. Amen.